Welcome to Adapt Energy, a Pantech design podcast. As the world pivots to new forms of energy, now more than ever, it is critical that we explore new ideas and automated technologies to adapt to a changing energy market. On Adapt Energy, you will learn about these technologies and trends straight from the leading experts in the industry as we seek to answer a simple question. What is energy automation and why does it matter to you? Hello and welcome to the podcast today, everyone. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode today. On this episode, we're going to be exploring home energy storage and the benefits it can provide when paired with solar. And so we're going to dive into a lot of topics and uh, we're going to get some expertise from two subject matter experts here in this area. First, we have Troy Morgan. He's the CEO of Pantech Design. Troy, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely, Tyler. Glad to be here, man. Excellent. Well, Troy, give us a little introduction into Pantech Design and, and what it is that you do. Sure. So Pantech Design uh, was started in 2005 uh, with a primary focus on uh, the design and engineering of hardware and software solutions for home automation systems. And uh, a few years back, uh, due to a gentleman you're going to meet here in a moment, um, we began focusing a little bit more of our efforts on the energy uh, industry and now have developed an energy automation system uh, that uh, uh, couples and pairs very, very nicely with what we already know in the home automation space. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, you mentioned a, uh, a second person here on the podcast, and so we're going to meet him right now. His name is Blake Riquetta. He's the CEO of Sonnen USA. Blake, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's a pleasure, Tyler. Thank you. Excellent. Well, give us a little uh, background into Sonnen USA and, uh, and tell us a little bit more about what you guys do. So Sonnen is one of actually the oldest residential energy storage companies, but grid-type residential energy storage. We're 10 years old now, which, believe it or not, is ancient history in the energy storage <laughs> industry. <laughs> we were founded in Wilpotsried, Bavaria, Germany. So we're a German company, and we've really been a trailblazer in, again, using lithium-ion batteries to connect to the grid and optimize and harmonize solar energy, specifically in residential applications. And we have over 50,000 installs globally now with our product and some of the most advanced virtual power plant software that cluster up batteries in, in the industry. And my particular portion of Sonin is the American company, which is responsible for the Western Hemisphere. And we are a subsidiary of Shell New Energy. So overall, uh, we are part of the Royal Dutch Shell enterprise. Excellent. Well, uh, Blake, thank you for being here on the podcast today as well. It's uh, I'm excited to get to dive into this topic uh, with two guys who have such expertise in this particular area. So let's dive in. Home, home energy really, um, home energy storage is really a, a growing trend right now. Um, and as you mentioned, Blake, uh, for for Sonen being around ten years is is almost ancient um, because this is such a growing and, and recent trend that we've seen come around. So tell me about the growth that you've seen in this particular area. And in general, energy storage is not just a, a trend. Energy storage is an essential evolution of the very way that we produce and consume energy. It's a essential part of the energy system of the future. It's known as the energy transition. So part of the challenge is to see it from the high perspective and the high level first and then to break it down, which I'm sure we'll do a bit in this conversation, but at a high level we know now from a scientific perspective, I always say we're on the right side of science. We know that there is no renewable energy transition without energy storage. It fundamentally doesn't work. So that's the first statement. And then it's most important to get your arms around. And then you take that statement, of, okay, if we want a clean energy future, if we want to decarbonize 
and have carbon neutrality in our energy system, what do we need to do? Well, we need energy storage, we need to decentralize, and we need to digitalize the grid. And that has driven a trend of growth in residential, commercial, and, in, and utility scale energy storage. Yeah, and I think I can dovetail that a tad uh, with the fact that, um, especially from sort of my expertise end of things, we traditionally have been spending a lot of money on equipment and things in homes for the automation of them, uh, whether it be for their lights or their shades or you know what what have you. And what we notice over time is that if those devices are not powered by clean energy, they don't tend to last as long. They also can have you know problems and challenges with reliability. Another aspect that you add to that is resiliency. You know, a lot of the a lot of the people that are our customers are people that would like to make sure that the lights do stay on when the grid goes down. And as our grid is uh, further stressed, um, as the demand goes higher, higher, and higher. Um, and the, the ability to keep up with demand, not only in the sort of strength of the grid itself, uh, but also the demand, it, it's, it's becoming harder and harder. And so we're finding utility companies having to shut down power every once in a while or, or do things on sort of the transmission and distribution end of things to, to fix things. And that causes power outages to occur, which is bad for equipment and lifestyle. So that's another reason why I think we're seeing a lot more people look for uh, home battery storage as a method of taking care of those problems. You know, Troy, you referenced uh, the uh, the strain placed on the grid there. And I wonder, are there have there been events that have been primary drivers, especially for consumers to kind of look towards um, this technology uh, as an option moving forward? Have there been times, whether it be natural disasters or blackouts, things like that, that have really caused people to stop and think, hey, there's got to be a better way out there to do this? Oh, of course. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But I am going to hand this one over to my buddy, Blake, because he's been on the front line. <laughs> Of a couple of those, uh, specifically Puerto Rico and living in California. Blake, take it away, bud. I'm sure. Yeah, I think that when you look at, again, energy storage at a high, at the highest level, understanding that it's a necessity for the grid of the future is the first thing to, under, to, to really embrace. And then you say, okay, well, what benefits do you get from that? Well, first of all, you make it so that we can smooth and harmonize solar and wind appropriately so that it can actually replace power plants. And this is a beautiful thing. So we can replace literally coal-burning power plants forever and natural and even gas power plants. But what else do you get? Well, you get this great benefit of once you have a decentralized energy system it, and it is digitalized. In other words, meaning it's smart, it's intelligent, can do stuff that is more along the lines of Troy's background. Then that energy system becomes much more flexible and much more resilient. So imagine it as instead of having one single point of failure, you have thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of little nodes all over the place. And this includes the different places that we're generating solar and wind power, the different areas that we're storing it. For the most part, it's where we're storing it, whether we're storing it adjacent to homes, we're storing it at the substation, we're storing it in a giant field that's adjacent to a solar or wind farm. Those different nodes, those different batteries create many different failure points. So if you have a storm that bring, takes out a power line, you think about Puerto Rico as an example, and this is a very aged and unfortunately very poorly built 
energy system, electrical infrastructure in Puerto Rico. And most of the power is generated in the south of the country, in the, in the south of the province of the island of Puerto Rico. And then it is transmitted over much of the island, which actually requires going over mountains and then to the north and the eastern cities. And if you have a storm that takes out one major power line, it could take out power for much of the entire island. Mm-hmm. So one flimsy power line being taken out can cause massive life-threatening havoc in a place that gets extremely hot in the summer and that requires power for life stability. So not only does energy storage allow you to transition away from fossil fuels, but energy storage creates this tremendous redundancy. Whereas if, the, if, there was a, if there was one power line that went out, it wouldn't matter because you have so many different places within the grid where generation storage and consumption and redistribution are happening. So whether it's Puerto Rico or whether it's California, where we also have significant challenges because of our fires and because of the public service power shutdowns that are being mandated by our utilities, these are events that also could be mitigated by energy storage substantially. Even the reason why, the core reason why power shutdowns have to be executed by utilities in California can actually be prevented by energy storage. So we definitely provide energy security resiliency as well as a key to a carbon neutral future. I think especially that Puerto Rico example is just a really powerful uh, example just of how this works. And it, you, you mentioned it just right there, the, the, the single you know, point of failure, wiping out power to a, a mass of people is obviously something that, uh, that if there are alternatives, that, that getting away from that, I think, sounds like a really positive thing. So for people out there, uh, I, I think a lot of people are going to have at least some level of familiarity with the idea of home batteries. But give us the, the basics uh, so that Everybody's kind of on the same page about what we're talking about when we talk about home storage and, and specifically home batteries. Uh, Troy, I'm going to kick this one to you first, and then uh, and then we'll have uh, Blake fill in some of the gaps. Uh, I want to start with a, a common misconception that you find in in sort of the, the beginning stages uh, as a consumer looking at solar uh, for your home. And, and the common misconception is this, that because you have solar power, you have power all the time. You are off the grid and you don't have to buy power from the utility company and you just, uh, you know, if the power goes out, you have power. And the truth of the matter is that is not the case. And so part of the reason why a lot of people are starting to uh, gravitate towards the home battery storage uh, outside of what we've already talked about is because it, it actually is, is helpful uh, to, to the solar system, if you will, and to the grid to have home battery storage. A lot of people also don't realize that uh, putting solar on their homes, they they typically don't end up using the power uh, when the power is actually being generated. And in most cases, that power is being generated during the day. And a lot of times, or at least it used to be, not necessarily so much like that with uh, what we're dealing with right now, but people would be less likely to be home during the day. And so you have all this excess power that's being put onto the grid. And uh, the utility companies then having to receive that power, clean it up, kind of harmonize it like uh, Blake was talking about a moment ago. There's costs associated with that and the like. And the sad truth is it's being put on the grid at the time when the grid doesn't actually need it. Mm. So you put a home battery in and now all of a sudden you've got the ability to take this beautiful sunlight power and store it during the day so that you can use it later 
in the evening when you're home and when you're doing uh, the majority of the things that you might do, like washing clothes and dishes and, and the like. So um, there's just a couple of things that are uh, that are kind of neat about understanding home energy storage or home batteries in uh, inside of a residence. Blake, is there anything you want to add on to, uh, to Troy's comments there just about, about the basics of home batteries? I think he did a nice job with it. I think at the end of the day, what we're looking at trying to do is connect the immense value that energy storage has to society as a whole and to the future of, of our planet and to the future of the energy system and connect that to the individual consumer. And that's the challenge is creating a succinct way for consumers to say, okay, I get it. This is why I'd like to use a battery. And that's a struggle because it's such a, it's such early days still that someone might say, well, tell me, specifically why. And the one thing that people can point to is resiliency and backup power. And that's an easy one to point to. But there's so much more that's happening when you have a battery and and it's hard to necessarily explain it depending on how deep you want to go and where in the country people live. But the bottom line is that there's so many great benefits and not least of which are truly consuming your own clean energy, as Troy's putting, uh, Troy alluded to, making it so that you are not causing more problems for the grid and for the energy system, but actually helping to make the system work more efficiently and and actually help other people and not just yourself. Something Tyler, you and I were talking about before the you know, the meeting uh, started, before the podcast started. Yeah. And, and that's really what we're trying to do is make it so people understand, okay, I get back a part of myself and I, I could also probably save some extra money, but more importantly, I'm contributing to this clean energy future in a really big way. And it's really cool. And that's what we have to connect to people on. Absolutely. So, so Troy, you were, you, you kind of started to, to dive into the area that I wanted to go next. And that was the benefits of pairing battery storage with solar, uh, because you mentioned you know that that a lot of times if you're if you're utilizing solar, you know, and you're not home during the day, you're missing out on a lot of those benefits, right? So pairing it with battery storage seems to make a lot of sense. From your perspective, are, are people that, that that aren't utilizing solar uh, with an energy storage solution are, are they missing out on a lot of those benefits? Absolutely. I could almost go so far as to say that uh, solar without storage doesn't make sense. I mean, it, you can certainly diving into each individual situation or, or location or geographical location and the like, you could, you know, make a case for solar being a necessity. But it, again, if you're only able to generate it during the day and you have no method to store it and use it later in the evening, um, you've only got a finite amount of time. And then, <laughs> then you have other things to deal with, like weather, you know, clouds. I, I, again, a common misconception, in my opinion, you look at your power bill and you say, okay, I use this much power. And so I should have this big of a, a solar system. And I put that on expecting that, uh, gee, I'm not going to have to pay for my power anymore. And then the reality is over the year, you find out that you were only able to generate three quarters of what you thought you were going to generate. And that's just simply because there's weather, there's storms, there's clouds, the, it's, it's, it's not perfect all the time. When you couple your solar system with home battery, uh, you change all that because the Intel, especially an intelligent home battery like the Sonnen Ecolinks is, it, it has this innate ability to just manage the, the, the production and the consumption of the home against 
the the load and it just it, it just takes care of it for you and this is where you start to get into that whole energy automation type of thing where now you have a home that that is changing its energy profile relative to how much sun is available and how much battery storage you might have, whether you're in an off-grid situation, you lost grid power, or you're in an on-grid situation and you're just living your daily life. Having that energy automation add-on to solar and a home battery, it just it just takes it to a whole other level. And and you you now have a system that's that's doing all of these things for you, you know, gives you the the, the best of all worlds at that point. Blake, can you go into a little bit more detail about that automation aspect that, that Troy was just hitting on there and, and some of the benefits of that? Overall, when you think about how we will build the energy system of the future and the energy transition, it can't be about just generating an electron, certainly shoving it down a wire for 200 miles and getting it to a load. Of course, this is the archaic, old-fashioned way. So we know we need to decentralize. We know we need really essentially smaller, more versatile generation and storage of said generation, which is renewable generation. And we need to be able to have storage at many, many points because that generation is unpredictable, intermittent, and even volatile to the grid. But there's another piece to it, and that's the load itself. So the actual usage of electricity. And it is absolutely a necessity in our future as we try to eliminate the carbon dioxide emissions that are created from the energy system, that we have to control the loads of homes and buildings in a more clever way. In other words, we need to pair generation, storage, and load control together into one more elaborate system. And and that's where energy automation comes from. So if you're able to do very basic things like a simple what's called load shift of your load from one time to another time and you don't have to do it in a way that is going to make your life less convenient at all that will not only have a benefit to your pocketbook if there is a time of use rate in place which is where all rate structures are going as we move forward in the future Mm -hmm. but you'll also be able to help the energy system be more efficient having the loads work with, in conjunction with, in concert with generation and storage. That symbiosis of the three is the key to the energy transition. And that's energy automation. Yeah, Blake and I sort of coined that as as the holy grail (laughs) when we we began just discussing these things and and he was helping me understand the energy industry and the challenges that the industry has and, and the like and how we would be able to bring our uh, our expertise in automation sort of to the table and 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 start solving some of these challenges that, that Blake was just describing. It's pretty amazing what can be done and and how much more you can move the needle by simply load shifting, like Blake was saying, or or load shedding at a certain time. And, and you know, in some cases, uh, well, one of the great things that Adapt Energy does is it pays attention to the weather. And so we know when there's storms coming, we know when things are not going to be so great for uh, the solar systems and that is all automated and now tells the battery, guess what, man, you got something coming that you got to prepare for. So let's go ahead and get you charged up as quickly as we can so that we can prepare for a potential power outage. That very same thing is capable 
with respect to the, the fires. You know, as soon as we get a fire alert, if you will, our system will do the very same thing. And so working in concert, you know, shedding load, load balancing, when you know that you're going to have to have both air conditioners running to pre-cool the home because you happen to live in Texas like I do, <laughs> and you've got storms in the area and your house could be out of power for whatever reason, you're, you're, you're probably going to be pulling from the grid. Right. So when you are in that situation, have the energy automation system do its job, load balance, turn off a lot of lights, shut off the pool pump, shut off the water heaters, you know, take some of that heavy load away so that you can apply heavy load to the other things that are going to become more important for that period of time. And in most cases, again, like Blake said, you're not affecting a lifestyle negatively. This is actually something that can be done uh, in such a way that the, the consumer doesn't even really have to recognize it or deal with it. That's incredible. And this all sounds, when I hear it, I think, oh, that sounds so futuristic and so cool, but it's something that you're doing right now that, that is available and that exists in this current time. And so that's that's really incredible um, that, that this is something that's that's able to happen. And as we're talking about this, what what do you see in the future as further developments uh, that can take place in the world of intelligent home energy storage? What what kinds of things do you see on the horizon that you think, yeah, this is the, the next thing, the next development and the next area that we're going to push into when it comes to this particular area? A lot of it is continuing with what we've already built. We built a foundation as an industry and now we need to expand on that foundation and break into new, a whole new world, if you will, of, of use cases and efficiencies when working with the overall grid and, and the energy system. So when it comes to hardware, the future is to have batteries that store electricity more efficiently, longer lasting, that are going to have less losses when passing in and out of the battery, and that are even safer and potentially could store energy for very, very long periods of time. And this is, of course, where you get into a lot of great new technologies like seasonal storage and whatnot. So you're going to see a lot of, I think, breakthroughs in chemistry and in the types of batteries that are being utilized uh, in the industry. The other thing that we need, to, and that's, energy, that's stationary energy storage, by the way, which is very different than electric vehicles and how electric vehicles, innovation in electric vehicles approach the battery cell. From a software perspective, we need to continue to swarm control our batteries, which we're already doing, and we've done in the European Union now for four years. And now in the United States, we have cutting edge projects like Soleil Lofts in Utah. We're about to go to press with a whole host of virtual power plant communities in California, which would be a first of a kind in the United States and actually in the world. So what I mean by that is you have to be able to take all these little batteries that are essentially adjacent to a customer's load and cluster them up and have them perform and control and be controlled as a single grid asset in a swarm. Now what that basically means is that you're taking a bunch of houses and they're working together in a community and they fundamentally replace a power plant because they work together. If they didn't work together, they will not replace a power plant. But if they do work together, they do. And we've already got the foundation of this, we're already doing it. But what we have to do is make it bigger, better, stronger, faster, and we need to be able to integrate with utilities at a deeper level. Right now, what we're trying to do is solve specific problems for utilities to help them replace their need for expensive and dirty fossil fuel power. But over time, we want to replace more of their need, more of their need, <laughs> until eventually we're replacing all power plants that are fossil fuel based. 
the virtual power plant, which is the aggregation of intelligent energy storage systems into one system, into one unit, is the key for that. So you need to see, we will see more technology advancements when it comes to the overall electrical system controlling a virtual power plant or VPP, and and then the other direction as well, where the VPP is integrating better to the utilities energy system. And then finally, I guess, just from an energy automation perspective and this home automation, we need to continue to, to work to uh, very efficiently control loads in a house and make it so that we're not just storing an electron and using it based on what the needs of the utility are, but we're storing electrons and using it for the homeowner, for the renter, in a way that's best for them, best for their pocketbook, as well as best for their home and for their loads and for the environment. So these are all really neat innovations that you'll see in both hardware and software. Yeah, and to apply a, almost a, a direct point to that, um, when you start looking at behind the meter load control, imagine the fact that there's a lot of loads in a home that are just kind of sitting there. They're on, they're not doing anything. And they're, in some cases, we call them phantom loads because they're just hanging out. And what if the home was intelligent enough to do away with all those phantom loads, to be efficient enough to provide to the consumer exactly what they need when they need it in an on-demand way without having to have these loads, these devices just sitting there spinning their wheels, if you will, waiting for the consumer to decide that they want to use whatever it is. And so you you get into now devices that are more intelligent, that are communicating their use of power, they're communicating their need for power, and they're communicating when they're when they do need to be used or when they don't need to be used. And we can take this information and we can now build a, a little bit of a load prioritization if you will, around that. And we can now understand that uh, it, it becomes possible to tell your home that it is never allowed to use more than 5,000 watts at any given time. And then the home manages that threshold for you. And it recognizes that, hey, you know what? We're going to have to turn on this HVAC system right now because the temperature is getting a little bit too high, mm-hmm. but the pool pump doesn't need to run right now. It can turn off so we can do the HVAC thing. And now we've got this load balancing occurrence that is managed daily, fully automated. And again, the consumer is never the wiser because they have what they need when they need it. And they have just decreased their overall footprint to a grid or their own local uh, generation of power by 20 to 30%. That's huge. And that's really what's going to move the needle. And then you you add that to the virtual power plants out there. And that type of technology can really help a virtual power plant when there is demand uh, from that virtual power plant and sort of further take away the need for a peaker plant or a fossil fuel-based uh, power plant for that demand. So it really does sort of change everything. The more intelligent we can be about this, and the more we can do with these devices, it just helps tremendously. Well, it sounds like this is uh, an incredible area to be in right now, just with so much advancement and uh, so much innovation. And so it's been really exciting getting to learn a little bit more about everything going on um, in that world of home energy storage. Uh, so Troy Morgan, CEO of Pantech Design, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. My pleasure. It was a blast. And Blake Riquetta, CEO of Sonin USA. Thank you for joining us as well, Blake. Of course, Tyler. Thank you. And everybody, make sure you go check out the websites of these companies. We have PantechDesign.com. That's P-A-N 
S-O-N-T-E-C-H, design.com. And then Sonnen USA, S-O-N-N-E-N-U-S-A.com. Make sure to go check it out for more information there on those websites. And everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Adapt Energy, a Pantech Design podcast. We appreciate you listening very much. Of course, we'll be back soon with more episodes of the podcast. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.